everybody. Welcome back to Black Belt. Or Bust. I'm Misty. And I'm Keely. Today we have our coach, David Close, on again. And we're... <laughs> <laughs> no, I just I see to David trying to start, like, start talking a few times I'm now. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut him off. I don't care. Um, you were blocked off by the cat. Yeah. We are going to be talking about imposter syndrome from his point of view because we're his students. And he doesn't care about our feelings. Nope. So. To be honest. <laughs> well, so uh, Tuesday's episode, we wanted to talk about our perspective and how some of our experiences and things that have happened within the gym have fed into imposter syndrome and some of the things that we look for, like hearing comments from upper ranks to kind of val- like feel validated and to address imposter syndrome. And we kind of ended off saying that if you really feel this way, you need to talk with your coach. So today we wanted to bring our coach to have the your perspective on how, one, your thoughts on imposter syndrome. Because ultimately, what we believe we are doesn't matter because you are our promoting coach. You are the one that knows where we should be or where we're at. And so, <clears throat> honestly, it doesn't matter how we feel. Yeah. Nope. But... How, like, your thoughts on imposter syndrome, in addition to if a student were to come to you, or has in the past, how you've kind of addressed those feelings for imposter syndrome. All right, so I'm packing it here. You just love having the the dog right there. Yeah, I do. She's a good dog. Um, But no, imposter syndrome is just part of human human nature. Okay, that's just like... Like, for instance, Keely, at least as of this recording, is still doing her stuff for her doctorate. There may be a point where you'll be around someone that's had their doctorate for the last 20 years, and then they say some stuff that's very, very elementary to them that's just mind-blowingly simple but so efficient, and you're like, why didn't I actually think about that? And then you'll go, wow, am I really a doctor or not? Oh, I feel that now. No, no, but... (laughs) But literally in all aspects of life, you're going to actually have that. Or, or, you know, if you have a grandma or something that maybe she cooks like this grandiose, you know, dish. And then you're like, well, grandma, well, I do it this way and blah, blah, blah. And you're measuring out perfectly and all your grandma's like, well, why? Just get a pinch of this and blah, blah, blah. And then go and then you're like, what I made is like half as good as what you just did. Like the bad thing about human nature and social media kind of helps to... It doesn't exploit it because people, they use social media as an excuse too much. But it helps to elevate the fears and the self-loathing that everyone has whenever they're at a low point. And everyone always has highs and lows, so that's natural. But you look at a person, let's say another blue belt or a purple belt, that's killing it at the world stage. And you're like, oh my god, I'm nowhere near as good as her. You're going to always make a comparison period when... When it comes to like the ranks in reality, and it doesn't get talked about enough, what you're really doing is making the next version of you. So the only comparison should be, am I, am I better than the blue belt version of me? Am I better than the white belt version of me? Am I better than the brown belt version of me? Blah, 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 blah. Instead of looking at other, other people, though. So when do you think imposter syndrome really sets in? Because I know we've talked about it. We think it's... Around the time that Blue Belt Blue sets in because it's the, it's the first time at which you are held accountable or you have what you believe are expectations or responsibilities placed on you because at that point you should know better or you should know a few things. So this is the good and the bad about Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu as like a whole. 
you have other martial arts that have different styles of karate, different associations of Taekwondo, etc., that have literally 20 or 30 different ranks and multi-code belts, etc., etc., etc. So because of that, your expectations, they get spread way far out. Whereas in BJJ, for the for the adults, unless you're at one of these academies that uses like the different style white belts and like even like an intermediary green belt, which I personally hate, but you know some people some some people do it cool. I just never will. But there's basically just four belts, period. Mm-hmm. So because of that, there's a smaller number. So and you know what the attrition rate is from memes on, online, etc. So because of that, everything looks exponentially harder. This is why you'll have some people that want to talk about how if you're a blue belted, you know, you know, and all, then that's the equivalent of you being like a third degree black belt in karate or, or like, you know, whatever, where, you know, someone can get that in like, you know, four years and blah, 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 blah. So because of that, it's that extra weight that people keep actually putting on. So the value of the belt as it was, at least whenever it first came in here, or sorry, the value of the belt system of BJJ, like it's, it's still kind of looked at as like the last bastion of being as pure and not being commercialized. So because of that, then you kind of feel like you're walking around with this added sense of urgency and responsibility, blah, 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 when in reality it's all made up in your head. Because the reality is like, okay, if I come in the role and if I put a white belt on today, does that really change me? Like whenever I'm tapping people, yes or no? No. No, it doesn't. And I'm sorry, you I'm know, sitting here trying to imagine white belt David. <laughs> I've seen David's white belt. He's been a white belt before. Yeah. I've seen the belt. I don't believe it. But you know, it's, it's just literally is a if I take that belt off and I put a white belt on, does it truly change who the hell I am? No. no. So because of that, like you should not have as much. You shouldn't have pressure, and it's fine. That all right? Let me actually take a step back. You should have pressure on you just to make yourself just become better in life in general. Otherwise, you'll become complacent, and you don't really want to actually do much. Which you know that's good and all. What you can't actually do is let it become paralysis by it. Now, this is though, and a lot of people do that. That's why you have such a high attrition rate at blue belt. And now you're having, eh, not quite as bad, but you're getting it like maybe like a third of the way through purple belt too, though. So like a third of all pur- purple belts, they have their own variation on blue belt, blue belt blues now. And then they actually quit. So do you feel that be- because of some of these feelings from imposter syndrome and reservations of the rank at which we are at, <clears throat> in addition to fear of the rank at which we could become, do you feel that that comprises a lot of the population that quit or do you think that those are kind of all over the place reasons it's a little bit of all over the place but all right like i'll give a let me see now so let me use one example here um i'll use eddie cummings whenever he was still a blue belt competing so when he was competing and again, if you don't know who Eddie is, go ahead and look him up. He doesn't really train anymore, though. But the whole leg lock revolution, pretty much, it started with him. Um, he was going around as a blue belt in local tournaments up in the Northeast and winning and tapping out black belts. Okay, so he's tapping out black belts here. 
and for the most part, Eddie only trained Nogi. This is one argument that I'll have with some people in regards to like Nogi, mm-hmm. where because you'll have some people that are primarily Giga. Well, you 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 really can't have a black belt in like Nogi. I'm like, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna say I disagree there, but beyond going going down that route here, because he also doesn't have a belt, because he can just put on a white rash guard, a black rash guard, like, you know, like, whatever, like, literally, unless you're doing the IBJJ, you have competition, you put on whatever damn color rash guard that you actually want to. Hell, one of my favorite rash guards still is my Marcelo rash guard that's the purple belt, mm-hmm. though, and I'm never going to get rid of, of that one. But because of that, yeah, you're given the belt, but you know where your skill level actually is, so then you're you're not constantly looking down and having a reminder of quote unquote quote unquote what you are. You just go inside of a room and other people they got on spats or shorts and like rash guard top and you just roll. Mm-hmm. So sometimes the symbol of the belt gets to people because it's a constant reminder of where you are, versus I give you the belt, but then you just go out and you just actually just do what you actually do. Because there, cause there really has got to get to to be at a point where you don't look at your belt. You know, the belt is just part of what you actually just do. That's like if you're going to go into the office or something, and then my office thing is like, all right, I've got to I've got to put on a suit. Okay, well, eventually a suit's just a suit. You just mm-hmm. put that on, though. You put your cufflinks in, tie, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But literally, it's just a thing. That's it. If that makes sense, though, to you. No. <laughs> no, it's... Um, because we've had people, I, sometimes I include myself in this, sometimes I'm like, no, I deserve to be at the rank that I'm at, and then sometimes I'm like, no, I don't. But when you have some of the people, like you've got white belts, and they're, they're they, they are basically blue belts. Like, you look at them like they're just wearing a white belt, but you look at their skill level, and they're a blue belt. So when you have students like that where they're like I'm not ready to be ranked I don't feel that I'm at this rank so let me go ahead and let me actually just get in on like that one right there that's literally one of the most annoying things I've ever actually heard so morons out there I'm going to go ahead and just let you in on like that <laughs> he says here. that because this was me <laughs> well no, no no this is just most this is this is most people I'll tell you right now, whenever I got my blue belt, I knew I, I, I was already a blue belt because there wasn't a damn blue belt that you could put me up against in the country I think that I couldn't have. And I'm not even saying that because I'm like, oh, I'm just so great. It's just literally just, I was a white belt for like three, what was it, three years, I think, in 10 months. Like, there was no blue belt that could truly give me a real challenge. Mm-hmm. Not saying this because I'm just some grandiose, like whatever. It's just literally just, I trained like a, like a while and we just trained hard. Purple was the one where I questioned it. Questioning meaning, man, I'm a purple belt. You know, I wonder if my skills really reflect that of like a purple belt. No, it's it's fine to question. You you know, you will always question here. Okay, like like literally, that's part of the of the of the journey. But eventually, you got to basically do the mental smack yourself upside the head and go. Okay, does my teacher just give out belts just to actually give out belts? No. Okay, well, cool. Then I trust their judgment. Let me now, let me let me just shut up and let me actually drill. So basically, if I put on a purple belt when I was a blue belt, that does not mean that magically now I've upgraded brand new powers, etc. How the hell I still do an armbar from the guards the exact same uh, as in if I took that purple belt off and then and, and then if I put a white belt on. 
So in reality, it's a nice recognition of where you actually are, but but truly, does it really matter in the grand grand scheme of things? You can you can go out, go ahead and go out and buy yourself like a like a damn black belt, put that thing on. Can you roll like one? If you go in like like a room with people and then you roll, can you actually somewhat hang, or are you just gonna be just a complete waste of time? Yeah. You know. So again, <laughs> you know, like I'll take Gordon. If Gordon goes into Alliance HQ, you know, or something, or and then he puts a white belt on, does he automatically stop being a damn black belt? Does he stop his guard passing, bat taste, etc.? Just because you know of these things? No. And mind you, Gordon can definitely roll with a gi on too. But it's just one of those things where sometimes we get a little bit too wrapped up in things. And it's like guys, like literally, if I tell you to change your spats out, your t-shirt, your whatever, your belt. Whatever the hell it is that you use to actually, you know, designate where your rank is, does that take away your skill level? Mm-hmm. That's it. So, Keely and I talked about this last night, but for people who are listening, it was this Tuesday's episode. We're talking about, like, how we have different purple belts, and all of our purple belts are different sizes, and their skill sets are so different. Mm-hmm. When you're ranking someone to be at that rank, like when I look at purple, you have a certain level of responsibility, you have a certain skill set within the sport. As a coach or professor, how do you, how am I saying this? Like, I, I, like at, I've at seen what, the test. At what like, point? Like, you, fought, you pass the test, right? You pass the, the, the test to get to that belt, but... Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Like you have like a DJ. You're, you're kind of cheating because you're like, at what point do you like do you make the decision for them to jump? No, but like it's like you have a DJ purple belt and then you've got like a Hannah purple belt, two completely right. different sizes. Like, like how I get? I think I know. Do where you you're know what I'm from. trying to say? She's it's, trying to say how do you decide on like a broad spectrum of this rank? Keeping it individualized for when that individual's ready, whenever you have, like, this overarching umbrella of, like, okay, this is what I find in this rank. When is this person okay. individually fit in the realm of this? Okay, so let's just go back to even how rank even actually happened. That's because of Jigoro Kano. The rank structure within martial arts is made by him because he was an educator. Okay, he got, he got, he, he got, he got his PhD in education. So how you would treat a kindergartner is different than how you would treat a kid that's, that's a senior in high school, which is different than a senior in college. So you can look at the belt ranks that way. So part of it is there has to be a maturity level within there to pass to like the very, ne- to like the very next grade. Okay, just that, you know, if you look at why some kids, why the hell do they actually get the hell back? Well, sometimes they're just acting like an ass in class and all and they're not even actually learning they're not really actually trying well guess what then you stay within like this grade you know for like a certain point so you're being quote unquote left behind them so rank wise this is the same way you have to have a certain cri- cri- criteria of what of what you want technique selection wise being able to actually explain things wise to um, what value do you bring to the culture and then just in general, can I literally look at you with that belt on and go, yeah, I'm cool with like that person having this belt. And that's the, like, like those are like the main, the main buckets I'm going to always actually leave, look at, you know, 
there have been people, you know, I'm not even going to name names here. And this was not when I, whenever I was a black belt either. But, like, I've seen, but I've been in, you know, the trenches with guys where they were quite, quite frankly, jerks. And because of that, but they were skilled, skilled jerks. And they never got the rank that they should have actually gotten. Because they needed to get their heads out of their asses, though. Yeah. And they didn't want to actually do that. And eventually they left. You know, and I saw that from like purple, like really blue and purple belt onward. Like I, like I saw that multiple times, and then it's like, well, why the hell didn't such and such get his get 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 his blue or get his purple or get his brown and all? And it literally was more about attitude wise with how the hell they are. Now some of them got it later on, but when you see them now, they're a completely different person than how they actually used to be. And mind you, not everyone has that particular set of thinking. That's cool. That's why I'm not like you know. If you're a legitimate black belt from a from a from a le, legit lineage, I'm not gonna actually like, complain about how you want to personally rank. I may completely disagree with it, but you do you 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 literally do whatever the hell you actually want to. But I'm gonna do what I want to do. That's that. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and from the student perspective of having imposter syndrome, you know when we're at a certain rank like me blue and I have like white belt guys tapping me or you know they're controlling me or you know I have those days where I'm questioning why I even have a blue belt because I've got these white belt guys that I still can't either dominate or control or... so let's let's go back to that original statement about the BJJ belt system in general and the mystification of it okay in the U.S., it is mystified. Man, a blue belt's like a third-degree black belt in Taekwondo, and they can take them down and blah, 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 and they can beat them up and blah, 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 blah. And, <laughs> this is fixed right now. <laughs> no, 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 hold on. But in Brazil, it's like, okay, you're a blue belt. Who cares? Mm-hmm. There are white belts that tap out black belts in Brazil all the time because maybe the black belts are going in like third gear or like whatever, then they actually get caught. If that happens over here, depending on what the academy is, you may have some black belts that go crazy going after them, trying to really just put them in their place and blah, blah, blah. In Brazil, that happens all the damn time. Because it's not looked at as being that big of a deal because you're training. Yeah. Okay? Mm-hmm. That's just like if you're in judo and you're in Japan and all. We may look, see again in the U.S. because the the karate kid originally and other things again. It's a lot of mystification of the black belt, you know. And originally, whenever that, whenever you got to be a black belt, it meant that okay, you know how to basically fall, you know how to you know how to control your body. So now you're ready to actually get to higher level learning. That's all that it really meant. Yeah. That's why in judo, you can go to Japan. And you could compete hard. So if you really compete super hard and you're competing damn near every weekend, you'll go from white belt to black belt within a year. Because honestly, getting a showdown, getting that black belt, it's not a big achievement. It's not that big of a deal. You're not really looked at as being really anything in judo even in terms of how the ranks looked at in Japanese culture until you're at third. Yeah. When you're at third, third degree of black belt, that means you've actually been around... You've been there, done that. Your technique development's at a certain way. Blah 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 blah. That's why it takes X amount of years to even, to even actually get there because now they're like now you're at the point as a black belt where you can actually learn. So now the now the degrees pass that first. That's when it really actually matters. So do you think 
imposter syndrome tends to go away within like the years of having your black belt because like it will go away yeah. for a lot of people because quite frankly some me i got my black belt five years ago or rather it'll be five years in like another month and a half so because of that i have another 20 years before i get a new belt yeah, I know we've talked about you know. that before where it's like, ultimately, black belt's going to be your longest belt. Yeah, it is. You know. You know, and because I, I will always remember Pedro Sauer saying that to me. I think Pedro was like a six-degree black belt then, but he's like, yeah, he's like, everyone always wants to get all bent out of shape about being a blue belt, like a purple He's like, who cares? He's like, and, he, and again, he got every belt from Elio Gracie. But he's like, look, you know, it doesn't matter. You're literally going to have your black belt the longest. He was like, you know, my blue belt was like right right, right here. The purple belt was right here. Blah, blah, blah. And he was like, I got my black belt in like, you know, this time right here. I'm still a black belt here. He's like, I, you know, I think at that point he'd been a black belt for like 20 years maybe. So he's like, yeah. And I've got like another like good, like 10, 10 years to go. Now, now he changed his belt out now. I think now he's wearing a red and black now. So, and that was like a few years ago because now he's a eighth degree in black belt. But he's like, but that was like the time that he finally actually changed that belt out. So again, yeah. it's, it's, it's literally because you, you were essentially chasing a belt, which can be fine. It can be where you want that belt so you want to actually achieve it, etc. But when you hit your black belt, the next belt for you essentially... Cause you got so you get a lot of Brazilian black belts that will actually say this. Like if you look, there's a lot of high-ranking Brazilian black belts even mm. that don't even actually have stripes on their belt because they don't actually put them on. Yeah, they are a fourth degree, a fifth degree, whatever, but they just don't actually put them on. And if you actually ask them, they go, "Oh, well, no, it just means that you're just getting old because you know this is gonna be the belt that, that you have like the longest." Yeah. So basically, don't put the pressure on yourself. Well, no, no. So you, once you get to the mindset of, I like, mean, it's just another belt. Yeah, well, like, you, you have these goals, and, like, you can have a little bit of pressure to make yourself better. But, like, I've gotten into the mindset now as being a blue belt where I'm like, yeah, I got a blue belt. Now I've been a blue belt longer than I was a white belt. Being a blue belt, like I said, you know, the other day, we're a dime a dozen. Like, it, this, it doesn't matter. There's just some points when I'm, like, training that I'm like, Okay, you know, like, I've got to not prove myself to these white belt dudes, but I'm like, I can't let them tap me like I'm wearing a, a colored belt, and they're not. Like, I, and that's where the imposter syndrome kind of sits in yeah. for me until I'm like, no, I need to play my game differently, or I need to tweak this. This detail wasn't right. It's more about what the the things that I need to fix within my training. Yeah. Um, if anything, look, yeah. if you if you if you ever get caught clean with something, mm-hmm. that just means that all right, either at either at that moment or in general, you have to actually address whatever that problem actually is. Yeah. So you should be thanking them because it's like good, you know, including within within this within this monthly this monthly member membership ship here, you basically just gave me a free lesson though. Yeah. And so, thank you here. So, that's cool. Secondly, this is why, like, if you ever watch me roll, even against guys that are either my size or bigger, I will put myself in the crappiest spots and then make myself have to actually work my way out. Like, I literally try to put myself weekly into spots where where I'm probably going to get tapped. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things 
like a friend of mine, he got he uh yeah, you never actually met him, Kelly. He was gone before you you ever got to know him. And, but I will always remember him talking about how he went to like the blue basement in in uh, Henzo's, and he was just talking like I was just asking, him, okay, well who who were who were like the funnest roles? The two funnest roles were Gordon and Gary, because they didn't really care. Gary was just goofy and would just and and will be exploring stuff and he'll give up positions and he doesn't really care. Gordon will let you put him in like the deepest of things that he managed to even tap him. Yeah, yeah. He, and 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 literally will try his best to not use strength really at all. And then whenever and then whenever he really needs to actually train harder, then he'll change things up though. But that's how a lot of those. Uh, in fact, most of your world class guys, that's how they really are. Lucas is the same way. Uh, Leo and Atlanta is the same way. You know, et cetera. Where there are some sessions where you're just gonna go balls to like like the wall and you're fighting to win, and there are others where you're just gonna go and then you're just gonna basically just get put deep because at times like things like maybe nobody in class can get to like my bad. Let's say that hypothetically. But then I've got worlds coming up where I got eighty eighty C C C etc. I need to let people be on my back because if it's the gold medal round and I've had five matches, you may just get to like my back. But if the last time I've practiced bat defense was like four years ago, I'm not gonna be sharp on it. Yeah. yeah. And I may just get caught by something that normally five years ago I would have killed you know, within like three seconds then. Well and that's why I think specific trainings so it, I think it's a lot more important than regular roles. Yeah. So you can be in those positions a lot. Like last week, you know, we, when we were doing the armbar escapes, when I was going with Sarah, I was escaping on my bad side because this side I can escape from the armbars. This side I could not. So I just let her work armbars while I try to escape. And I want to be able to do that more. I just think some days I get so in my head, you know, because I'm, not so focused on my belt, but I feel like I put expectations on myself that don't need to be there carrying that belt. Yeah. So just kind of switching gears a little bit, do you feel as though a lot of the expectations we put that are just out there in general are exacerbated by the fact that like as lower ranks, we put so much stock in either getting a tap or not being tapped? Yeah, because you'll have people even now that will say stuff like, oh man, well, you know, the victory was, I didn't actually get tapped. And it's like, um, okay, let's, let's, let's step back and look at the overarching point here. This is why I never talk about the sport. I don't. If I talk about the sport, I, I literally mean that you're going to go out and you're doing whatever competition. Let's, let's, let's talk about the art. The art was not made for you to go out and then be in like a certain weight class and actually win medals. Okay? It was not. It's fine if you're actually into that. That's cool. It's not a sport versus street thing. I'm just talking just philosophical-wise, you know, period. You were coming in to learn how to deal with basically pressure from somebody else that's trying to actually get at you. That's it. And it's literally against the untrained person. Whenever you're having problems with others, though, that's, that's, that's not because you're going up against specialists. And you have to actually look at that and go, oh, okay, wait, I'm going up against specialists here. Specialists, so your average attacker is not going to spend, for instance, like 10 hours a week looking up YouTube videos on how to actually, you know, rob you and like, you know, break into like a car. You know, specialists are going to, or will, will, will look at the newest De La Hiva, De La Hiva entry into, 
backside 50 50 to like the you know heel 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 hook blah 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 they they will they will spend time on that on that sort of Thing. I feel like you've looked at all my saved videos for Robert Daigle right now. Well, I mean, <laughs> can be Rob too now, but I mean, it, but it really is just one of those where it's just like again, look at what you're going up against and look at what you're doing, and you're gonna have good days and bad days. Like I've had people say to me, "Oh man, it was a good day because you know you didn't tap me and blah blah blah." And there are literally times whenever I'm I'm really thinking in like my head, moron. Like the point of the point of the day was not for me to actually do that. Sometimes the point is. I'm gonna get a mountain you cannot get out, and I'm gonna make, and I literally wanna make you tired to a certain level. Or I made, like, there are also times where I wanna escape the back 10 times per roll. Or I wanna escape out on my left side more, or my right side more, or I wanna tap the straight ankle lock, or whatever the hell the, like, the case is. You know, and like you saying, people have given me a lot more subs, and then I've not taken them because my point is. I want to hit this one thing. If you want to feel good because you survived against that one thing when you were giving me arm bars or kimuras all day, go ahead. I don't care. Like, I literally just don't care. If my goal, again, is to hit X amount of reps of, like, whatever within training, mm-hmm. that's what your goal is. Yeah. Just do it. Because they can feel happy about this, but in reality, have they gotten themselves better? No. Like, so... If you survived against my back attacks, well, what does that let me know? It's like, well, one, if I held you in like on like the back for like the last five-ish minutes, the back control is, itself is great. Now we got to work on hand fight positioning so that we can actually attack them for you know submissions. Then, yeah. But at least now I can I can literally go I can hold most guys then for X amount of time like on like the back. Now it's about the hand fight battle. So now you know what like, the next thing they actually work on. Whereas they can be like, man, good, you know, Missy got on like my back or Keely got on like my back, and the last two rolls like like this week they couldn't tap me because then what? Because then same same saying this to the people that want to think this stupidly. What what then happens is like the very next month they get to your back and then they tap you fifteen times because essentially you just kind of unlock where there are issues at. Yeah, that's a really good way of looking at it. Well, I just I say I, mean, I, I say that because I wish <laughs> tapping was more normalized because I don't see anything wrong with it because you're learning from it or it's one of those developmental where it's I want this person to get a submission. For example, like the only like especially in the beginning, I was only getting confident in being able to do a submission when other upper ranks allowed me to work them. And then, but I wasn't sitting there like, I tapped an upper rank because it was one of those, I know they're letting me work. But so many people anymore, they make such a big deal out of like, well, I tapped an upper rank. Or they're like, well, I didn't get tapped today. Like, who cares? I I wish it was more normalized. Again, again, it's because you have a lot of people that also that lack self-confidence. Because I'm going to say this again, idiots. And if you've ever been to my my class, I have no problem saying, saying this here. A lot of those times, you had an upper rank that was basically letting you get into position. Mm-hmm. Okay, I've had I don't know how many guys say, "Man, last week you know I was able to roll really well with you, and then this week, good God, there was like a coffin was on top of me, and I was just put in it. Like I couldn't do like whatever. Because then I'm like, it's because I'm actually trying now. Yeah. And again, 
It is not the job of you as an upper rank. I don't really care if you're a white belt rolling with a, or sorry, if you're a blue belt rolling with a white belt or a brown with a blue, whatever. Don't tell them what the hell you're working on. So if they feel really great because they got out of your leg lock attempts like 15 times, who gives a flying damn? Yeah. Don't tell them. Yeah. Let them essentially know. I mean, hell, you guys know right now. Every time I teach stuff during 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 a week or even during during a month, when we roll, what do I do? Exactly you, you what the hell? That. Exactly what the hell I've been actually showing? Yeah, yeah. And I'll run that on we, people we of every coming. last yeah. size. And I'm like, you know what the hell's coming? So let's see where my timing is. Maybe my timing's off, and if my timing's off, cool. Yeah. And then you'll see what how I connect different pieces on it. But again, if you were happy because you got out of my own applause like four times and all, okay, well, that's that's cool. I mean, heck, I make a joke now with Karim. You know, he's a blue belt of mine, and he's all of five foot four. Maybe it's hard to get him into 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 the saddle position. I'm I'm six feet, and he's five foot four. So I've already said, all right, before this year's out, I will I will definitely get him within saddle. I think I I think I actually did get him in saddle right before COVID actually. But the goal right now is still, I got like two and a half months to actually make this happen here. All right. We both laugh about it. It's not that big of a deal. Yeah. <laughs> it's well, not or, a life or death, you know, you know, thing. Well, that are like, let's continue with Karen, for example. Karen is wonderful at straight ankles and exploiting mm-hmm. things. And I like to play guard. So it's really nice. Like, I don't care if he's a blue belt. Mm-mm. It's one of those, I know he's going to attack my feet. If I want to work on a new guard or if I want to modify a guard, it's, hey, I need to go with you because I need to find out, am I leaving my feet out for attack mm-hmm. so that he will exploit it? Yep. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, and he knows to go after mine. Heck, he's caught me with the inside heel, heel, heel hook. Uh, mm-hmm. What I do, I tap him. Okay. And then, we, and then he's not got me with the same setup, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But am I been out of shape about it? No. Because yeah. guess what? I tapped out black belts, too, and I, whenever I was like, you know, like a purple and blah, blah, blah. Like, it's really not that big of a thing. Mm-hmm. In the U.S., because we have the mystification, it's a big-ass thing. When you go back to, like, the motherland, essentially, it's not that big of a deal. White belts catch black belts because, I mean... If you're a black belt and you've been rolling the last three hours and then you got like a kid that now that's like a state level wrestler coming in who's been training consistently for like six months and all, is it potential for him to actually catch him? Yeah. <laughs> like just as an example, should you really get bent out of shape on that? No. You know, if I take LeBron James and he's been playing mm-hmm. now for like four hours of basketball and I take a kid from my like high school and then he crosses, you know, Braun over... Does that magically mean then that he's actually ready to take his spot within the NBA? Hell no. It means literally, you know, James is tired and, like, you know, this kid actually has more energy at, like, this moment, though. That's well, it. I think one of the things that help, that does help, especially eliminating imposter syndrome, is finding people in the gym who have have uh, particular games. Like, every, they're, you can find certain people and you're like, I know they're good at this. I know they're good at this. They're good at this. So, like, for me, if someone wanted to be like, hey, I need to work my back control escapes, like, yeah. get on my back as much as possible. Like, we do that. Or, like, with Karim again, because he's, you know, he's his game is leg locks, 
you know, we'll, we'll roll with him just so we can get used to being in those positions a lot and we can work defense. Well, and then, like, even taking a step before that, you've acknowledged, okay, what is it that's making me feel this way? And then you're determining, okay, maybe it's this game, maybe it's these circumstances, and then you're taking the next step. So, David, on your end, in terms of identifying students, so in a way, like, what symptoms are we showing <laughs> Where you realize that we're just mentally, it's not like you can be like, oh, that person for sure has imposter syndrome, but where you're like mentally, they're not confident in their abilities. So like, what are some signs that you can identify and how do you address that even before a student comes to you to talk? Because you know, what happens with us is that we wait until it's like, we're bawling, crying, breakdown. We want to quit. We wait until we're literally like. <laughs> broken before actually communicating with you when we could have stopped all this and like nipped it in the bud. I say this from experience guys. We could have oh, just yeah. nipped it in the bud early on if we would have checked in with you. Yeah. Well, what will actually happen is a variety of things here. Hey cat. And if you um, need to use me as an example, you can use me. As no, well, it's like you're not a mind reader. So, okay. People who think that their instructors are just going to be able to tell they're not mind readers on top of the fact that they have so many other students, they have other things, they have personal lives, they have all this stuff. They're not going to know the true issue until you've communicated with them. This is just, do, do you notice things before a student has come to you? Yeah, because one, you have some people that will avoid rolling with other people. And you may go, but David, well, maybe this other person is like dangerous. When you have identified who the people that can be dangerous roles actually are, and you're like, okay... This person is not one of them. Then it becomes one of like two things. Either A, you don't want to roll because you know that they'll probably beat you. And if I notice who you pick, and this is for more like open mat type, like, or just if I let you basically pick and, pick and choose, whenever I'm rolling, or sorry, whenever I'm looking and I'm like, well, wait a minute, that person's your size. And either you're the same rank or you're similar, yet you want to go with the person that's not quite as good as them, and you made it a pattern, and you completely avoid them. That's when that's when a flag will actually go up at times, for some people. For others, I don't care what your mood is, you can't hide it 90% of the time. Because most people, they are they really suck at emotionally detaching themselves in general whenever they're rolling because now your emotions can be laid bare. So one reason why you'll have people, if you look at my IG profile and all, but people will laugh because they go, oh man, like in like photos, like you have like the same face. Like, I, like I've actually worked at that legitimately to be like, it doesn't matter if I'm rolling or like, you know, whatever. Unless I'm laughing during like that roll, I had the same look. Whether I'm tapping you or I'm at, or 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 if someone's tapping tapping me, you don't get a beat on what David's emotional state actually is. But I consciously work at that. Most people they don't do that, so I can look at you and go, yeah, they're having a hard day. Yeah, they're coming in with a whole bunch of baggage today. Like I can literally tell by your body body language and then how you're even moving, because it always actually translates. So that's how you start seeing 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 signs. Sometimes pe people they can have just like a bad day, in which case you go okay. But when it's a consistent thing, it's like okay, this is not like a bad day. So something is actually happening. So especially from like 
the instructor's point of view, is it best to wait for the student to come to you or do you kind of have moments where you check in a little bit and reach out just because they may have, they may be apprehensive to come to you because they're like, oh, this is our coach. We shouldn't also have like our personal. It, it really just depends on their personality. Some people, it's more of a, yeah, I'm just having like, like a bad day or man, like, I, like I'll figure it out. So some people, is that. Some people, you can already see essentially that they're on like a mental edge. So then it's like, all right, well, when class is over, let me actually take this one aside and let's actually have a small talk here. Mm-hmm. In which case then, that's when you'll try to actually big up them and all this nice stuff then. So do you feel that whenever it's specific to imposter syndrome, like you know that that's what's going on, that you kind of take a harder, you can, you, you can, just need to get over it, or you could, you, like a softer... I have to look at how your personality is. So, like, I've had people that... Alright, so there are some some people, just as an example, if things are going to go really well, they don't they don't need praise. Yeah. You know, praise is a foreign, foreign thing to them, be it personality-wise, how they were raised, whatever. But it's a foreign, foreign thing. What they want is immediate feedback on what's wrong. And they want you to be blunt. Some people, they have feelings that are extremely fragile. So when they're, whenever they're within their emotional state, you got to go ahead and you got to navigate the waters a little bit differently. That's why you'll have some people that may say to me, well, David, well, you talk to this person this way and you, and you talk to me like this way. Why? It's like sometimes it's like because literally you can't handle that harshness or you don't need that amount of coddling. And it's not that you're necessarily wrong or weak or whatever. It's just difference in you. That's all. Yeah. I just remember whenever I didn't, like, when I was didn't come back to jiu-jitsu, you were like, I don't care. You're coming to the gym tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Like, I told you at one point, I was like, I'm scared. The cat is now licking your beard. Yep. Um, Yes. Where I was like, I, I even had made the comment that I was scared to come back. I didn't feel like a blue belt. I felt like I had lost all my jiu-jitsu. And you were like, I don't care. You're coming to class this week. Well, no, because you you are the type. So I'll say this right now. Sometimes I will, I will give out little nuggets of wisdom. You are the type where you are determined. You will work your butt off. Blah, 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 blah. But every once in a while, you need someone to come up with like, like a boot and then actually boot you in the ass that would just actually get you, you get right, you know, back down. <laughs> it's so the true. It's so true. Okay. Just sometimes some people need that. Me, like literally, I have no problem saying I literally have a me against the world personality. Mm-hmm. I really and truly do. Sometimes that's that's good. Sometimes that's bad. I, and, and I actually get get that too. But it really is one of those, like, literally, I could win the world champion championship, and I could tap out Buchecha within the final. And let's say everyone's super happy about it. If he got out of one of my main key moves, I'm still a little bit pissed off right now that he got out of that move. And I want to see the video to figure out how the hell did that fool actually get out of, like, what that move is. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm... But that's how I'm built. That does not mean that everyone else needs to actually be that way. Again, you have to recognize at times how you really are. Most people, they don't want to be that intro introspective. But you have to also look at your students the exact same way. 
So, you know, again, how I deal with you is it will be different than how I deal with Misty. And then how I deal with Missy will be different than how I deal with DJ or with Trey or with whoever. You know, just literally everyone's built a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Some people are, some, you know, you know, some are more sensitive than what you will ever actually realize. And then you get surprised at that, but sometimes we like we will we will have to cross a certain a cer- certain bridge, and then you go, oh crap! I thought you were this way here, but in reality, you're kind of more this way. Okay, and literally, people will tell you how they need you to actually treat them. You just got to actually listen to it. Mm-hmm. So, and I know again, it's all personality based, individual based, just in general. And I'll say this: women are emotional. We and can also tend to be more vocal about no. our issues, or like we wear we wear it a little bit more. Like it's more obvious. Do you feel as though working with like the proportion of women and proportion of men that you have that once we've worked through those issues, women stick around more and kind of move through that, or like mentally stronger compared to the men, or is it just kind of? A little split even in its very individual basis. So here's the confounding issue. If you have women that come from a background where essentially it's cool for you to acknowledge your emotions, but in the end, shut the hell up and just get up and just do whatever. Maybe you grew up on like like a farm. Um, you grew up doing sports, etc. This is why these are the areas where you where you will normally get the quote the quote the quote unquote tom tomboys. So when even when you watch shows and movies with with women that are like that and all, they generally have a little bit more muscle. They have a little bit more of an edge. They're no nonsense. Blah blah blah. They never come from homes where essentially they were raised to be where they don't have to actually. Um, they don't have to actually get a job or they don't have to get a career or, you know, in general, they don't come from like those backgrounds. Not saying that that's always going to be an absolute, but just in, in general here. So I'm saying it this way because they are conditioned. Like if you grew up, we'll take you. Okay. You, you know, I make fun of West Virginia and all, but you grew up still on like farmland and and Mm -hmm. all and all that. Even if you're having your time of the month, if you tell your mom, well, mom, I'm not really feeling that good in the time of the month, she'll be like, get your ass up because we still got to actually, you know, you know, go ahead and milk the cows. Like, I don't really care. Whereas you have some that are born within, I don't even want to say softer, but like a, like a different lifestyle where if they feel that way, okay, baby, you don't even have to even go to school today. It's like, mm-hmm. there are times in life that you got to, that like where you, you will feel like crap. You have to get up and go. Mm-hmm. Okay, like just, I'm sorry, like literally, like for me right now, I've got engineering degrees, but right now full time I teach. So there are no days off for for me. Okay, you can count on one hand the amount of days I missed because I was sick. And the answer to that I'm, I might add is zero. And my knee right now is still sore, but I, I can still roll and I'm still going in and I'm still teaching. I'm modifying what I personally do. The point is, I may have a boo boo. But work has got to actually get done. And not everyone is actually built that way. You have more men that are built that way just because society says that we don't care. You have to get up and yeah. you have to just do. 
Yeah. That's just a societal thing. And when it comes to ladies, that, then that becomes a regional thing. Well, you know, that's why you look at women that are in that that are co- that are country girls. Think about it right now. City city girls are not looked as being tough. Country girl country country girls are though. Mm-hmm. Always. Why? Because they gotta actually get up. They gotta get their boots dirty. They gotta do this. They horseback ride. They do whatever, like and all. And again, we're just using that as like one example of many here. Yeah. So it's to me, it's damn is damn near a regional thing. So do you think it changes too with people? and class things? So it's regional plus class. Yeah. Though. Do you think it changes too when people want to compete as well? No, because every because everybody will want to talk about competing. So. You can talk about competing, but that doesn't mean that you're really about that lifestyle, though. Yeah. Well, and we'll have that panel where we also talk about, like, just women in general coming, like, showing up yeah. for competition and stuff like that, because I know we wanted to get it, It's a, a different thing, too, but, like, the imposter syndrome, wanting to compete in the sport and, you know, being a certain rank and then well, we looking ha- at those different things, too. We've had this, discuss- like, a brief discussion where it's there's a difference between competing and mm-hmm. being a competitor. Yeah. Those are two different things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's why you've had even some that have been like, well, maybe we should have a distinction in being a competitive X, X belt versus being just a, you go and you train daily. But even then, that becomes a problem because number one, you're still placating the ego of others. But then two, much more importantly though, you are also ignoring the fact that if you go to Brazil, they don't care. Again, somebody like I've known multiple world champions that have no problem saying their main training partners for their first two, three world championships and all that were guys and girls you'll never know. Yeah. They work as lawyers, they work as doctors, they work on the food truck, whatever, who could beat the crap out of a lot of people. Yeah. They just don't really care about spending Saturday being, you know, away on their day off to try to get a to try to get a little piece of metal. <laughs> Accurate. So in general, in terms of students dealing with imposter syndrome, what would you tell them? Other it's than normal. get over yourself. No no no. no. <laughs> it's normal. You literally have in all parts of life. Okay, you just do. If you're say like you know, if if you have siblings, I've yet to ever meet someone that has siblings even that doesn't even feel like they're the favorite child. They go, okay, well, it's my sister, it's my brother, blah 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 blah. And it's like, okay, your parents still love you guys, period. Yeah, but they love them more because blah 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 blah. Like literally, you have a variation on it, on imposter syndrome everywhere. It's fine. It'll pass. It's just like a cold. You know, it's little. It's a little, little thing that'll actually be there, and you'll essentially just get over it. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know, Misty. Do you have anything to add? No, I think David answered it because usually, if something comes up during the week, he'll uh, it'll it, it'll come up at some point. So we'll talk about it when it does. Okay. <laughs> well, no, no, no. Look, for some people too, you gotta li- like. So sometimes I won't say crap for a while, because quite frankly, that's part of your growing up process. Well, that or I know, like, if something's on my mind, I don't immediately want to talk about it. I want to process through it. I want to like see if I can handle things myself, and then if I'm handling them appropriately, or try yeah. a couple different things. And then it's normally once I reach my wit's end, that's when I like reach out and I'm like. 
okay, this is what I've tried. This is what I'm doing. Because it shouldn't be, oh, this one little bump in the road, I need to immediately go be told what to yeah. do. Well, it's, you need to work through it. You well, have no, no, to be well, careful, too, if you are, what did Brian, Brian corrected the word, is it self-deprecating? Self-deprecation. Not like, self de- like self-demeaning. But like, when you have, like, ne- a recurring negative thoughts about yourself and you have those things, sometimes you have to stop and say, wait a minute, is this real? Or am I creating? Or is this, this my perception? Of yeah, it? because like I experienced what I experienced. What was that like last week or the week before? Where I was like, "This is an issue I'm having currently. I just need to let it pass because my brain will tend to do this. I need to see if it's real or if it's just something that I'm making up in my head about myself. That having to identify that as well. But I think that's part of the growing up process or going through my own things that I have to grow from. Um, to do better, but that makes everybody, I think, so, you know, different. But, again, this is why also as a teacher, sometimes you have to sit down and you have to talk with people, and then sometimes you have to manipulate the damn chessboard. So let's say you suck ass at whatever on Monday. I may have a lesson plan to go right here. I may just go ahead and just veer right off and go to an area where you're way stronger than others at and we'll do that and it's literally just to just to cut you off right there so you can get out of your own head to where let's say you suck at doing the own La Plata let's say that hypothetically well then cool I've, I've shown you right now how to go from the old Plata to going into like the cross you know actually for the straight ankle lock and you got one of the best straight ankle locks then within, within class here or even within like the region. Let's say that hypothetically, right? So, do you really focus on man? I suck balls at the Oma, at the Oma, Oma Plata, or do you go? Okay, I can actually get here, and I know that if it really gets back and bail out, and I can go right here, and then it's cool and all. It literally changes up how you actually think for things. Or I may look at how you've been rolling with people, and then on like like the next matchup, I give you someone that's way more favorable then. And it's literally so that you don't actually end the training session on like a down note. Sometimes though, I may actually make it make it to where I want you to end on like a down note. Because 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 <laughs> literally, she's dying. well, no, no, no. Because literally, at times you have to get out of like your own head. Everyone has good days and bad days, and literally sometimes you have to artificially make it make it to where you have a bad day. Again, I'm I I I do this joke here. But my chiro- my chiropractor, right? He's one of my judo black belts. He's a, he's like the first judo black belt that I ever actually gave out. He knows whenever I've let people really get in on me because he's like, oh, yeah. So you were rolling with a lot of people and you were letting them really actually cross face you hard, huh? And I was like, yeah. But he literally knows the weeks where I let where where I will let that happen though, and it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so well, then, then... so yes, yeah, sometimes you must manipulate the whole situation. Well. And notice, especially in like today's world, we want the quick fix. We want everything to be nice and daisies, rainbows, butterflies, whatever, instantly, rather than going through the tough part to be able to manage things long term. We want those short term releases where it's, well, I feel bad today, I want to feel good tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Not, I want to have an overall more positive outlook overall. Again, life itself is not a straight line. It's not, you know. It's always it's always going to be to be waving, 
and people just need to actually accept that. And they will accept that within other aspects of life, but then whenever it's in like a, a passion, a hobby that they actually have, whatever, that's then, that's then where they don't want to actually accept that. And it's like, well, life doesn't really care about your emotions, so yeah. oh well. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, on that note, <laughs> I think that's a good end for today's episode. Thank y'all for listening. Bye. Thanks for being on, David. No problem.